Well, I want to tell you a little story. It's a true story. It happened years ago. My wife and family and I lived in Drexel Hill outside of Philadelphia in an older house. It was like two-story and in an attic, so it, you know, like peaked at three stories. And all the wood on it needed painting, all way up there. So one Saturday, I got my trusty paint can and brush and got my ladder out. And I proceeded to paint the house. So up the ladder I went. And up the ladder I went. Up the ladder I went. And then I looked down. And I looked around. Down the ladder I went. 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 I tried that three or four times. And finally I got transferred to California and didn't have to bother with it. And that was great. So what's that got to do with today's teaching? I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for a minute. I think it'll become obvious. We've been studying Nehemiah for a while now, and it's amazing this book has the things this book has to teach us. Just to briefly recap, an ordinary man named Nehemiah, who was in no special position of power, took on the impossible job and Adam would say this was a wildly important goal of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. We have seen that Nehemiah has spent much time in prayer. He's been on his knees about this situation. He's cast the vision, and he's motivated the people. Now it's time to act. And today we're going to backtrack a little and cover some of the scripture Adam covered couple weeks ago, but we're going to do it from a different perspective. We will discover the practical steps taken that allowed the Israelites to tackle this job. But before getting into the practical steps, let's spend just a, a moment or so understanding the magnitude of this rebuilding effort. And if you'd like, if you have your Bible with you and would like to follow along, I'll be in and out of Nehemiah. Uh, we'll start with chap, uh, chapter 2 and verse 17, and we'll be bouncing around a little bit, and it's on the screen, okay? Nehemiah puts it this way. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. This place was a mess. I mean, a royal mess. Worse than some of the high scores and dorm rooms I've been in and perhaps maybe even more cluttered than some of your kids' rooms. <laughs> so when the Babylonian army conquered Jerusalem several, several years earlier, they had torn down the walls and burned the gates. There was nothing left but a pile of rubble. The wall to be rebuilt would be between one and a half to two and a half miles in length, depending on who you read perhaps about the same as building a wall around the, Gal uh, the Galleria Mall. And I don't know if ever any of you have walked around that mall. I have when my wife shops. I, I've tried to get there seven times so the walls would fall down, but they never, I never quite made it. <laughs> so imagine how many rocks would be needed. This wasn't just a little fence. It was a major urban renewal effort. So let's spend some time looking at the four steps, the four-step practical solution. First came the planning, okay? And so many of us like to just jump in, okay? Get it done without any plan. 
sometimes that does work, but not very often. Let's look at Nehemiah 2.13. We see that Nehemiah went out at night and, and took a look at what needed to be done. He didn't guess. He went out and looked. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Great name. Examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. And then 2.18 says, They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. I think that an incredible amount of thought and planning took place between the let us start rebuilding and the so they began. Without this step, we have a strong possibility of failing. That was my first mistake when I tried to paint the house. I began without much thought of what needed to be done. Hmm. Maybe some of our government agencies could use Nehemiah's help. As a result of the planning, the job was broken into smaller jobs. And if I count it right, there were 41 major smaller jobs, and I suspect that these were broken down into many smaller ones as well. You can see in this in, this in chapter 3, and I'm just going to read the first five verses. I don't think they'll be on the screen, but I'm going to give you an idea of what's going on here. In uh, 3, 1 to 5, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachor, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimuth, son of Uriah, the son of Haskog, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Barakiah, the son of Meshubal, made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under their supervisors. In these first five verses, there are eight jobs mentioned. Rebuilding the sheep gate, the adjoining section next to those working on the sheep gate, the fish gate, the section next to the fish gate, and so on throughout the whole chapter. When we break a big job into smaller jobs, we force ourselves to get organized and we don't get disorganized or we don't get discouraged as easily. In the painting example I used, I should have broken the job into several day long jobs. That way I could have accomplished something significant each day. And this would also have allowed me to use others to help, which is the next point. Get help if you need it. Can you imagine how long it would have taken Nehemiah to build this wall if he had tried to do it himself? Probably as long as it will take the federal government to pay off our national debt. How many times have we failed to accomplish something because we were too proud or too shy to ask? Nehemiah was wiser than that. So let's look at some additional scripture in chapter 3. Nehemiah 3.1 
Eliashab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Nehemiah 3, 8 to 10. Uziel, son of Harawa, interesting words here. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananana, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphael, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jedidiah, son of Haramph, made repairs opposite his house, and Hadish, son of Hashabah, made repairs next to him. Shalom, son of Halalish, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And next to him, Malchai, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. I know that's kind of boring reading, but the point I want to make out of that is all kinds of people were recruited. Priest, a high priest, goldsmiths, merchants, officials, private individuals, masters, servants, men and women, young and old. The whole community was involved. And going back to my paint story again, this was a huge job. Why didn't I get help? Was I too proud? Or did I not want to bother people? I'm not sure, but I am sure that if I had asked for help, I would have gotten it, and the job would have probably been done. And before we leave this point, there's one other gem of wisdom hidden in Nehemiah 3, verse 5. I think we might have that on screen. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. When we ask for help, let's face it, some people will turn you down. But don't get discouraged. Keep asking. In fact, I don't mind asking the same people more than once. A few people turning him down did not stop Nehemiah, and it shouldn't stop us. The last point of the practical solution, give it your best effort. Look at Nehemiah 4.6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And in 4.21 it says, So we continued to work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. It wasn't a typical eight-hour shift. These people worked long, hard hours and Doing things for God requires work. If you want good examples of this, look at the lives of people mentioned in the Bible. Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Paul, Dorcas, just to name a few. Or take a good look at those who are achieving great things for God today. They are working with all their heart. And you could probably think of someone if you think deep enough. I do think our culture today tries to tell us that work isn't a good thing. I hear phrases all the time like, uh, I'm glad it's Friday. I can't wait until Friday. I'm doing okay considering it's Monday. I'm doing good now. It's 4 o'clock. And my personal favorite, I'm one day closer to Friday. And usually when I hear that, I always remind them that they're one, one day closer to Monday as well. So I don't know what that means. God created work, and he considers it honorable. Contrary to popular belief, a good day's work is rewarding. 
So what was the result of the planning, the breaking the big job into smaller jobs, getting help, and having everyone give their best effort? Nehemiah 6.15 says it very well. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. A remarkable feat. A little under two months. In my opinion, this clearly demonstrates what can happen when God's people pull together. So now let's move the clock forward a little bit to today. Aspen Grove Christian Church has a wild, important goal of growing followers of Jesus Christ. This is our wall to build, and it takes all of us to build it. Everything from keeping our building neat and clean to making those who walk through the doors feel welcome to telling others throughout the week about Jesus when the opportunities present themselves and everything else in between. We need to invite those around us to church and to our small groups. We need to teach his word to our children, youth, and adults in a relevant way that allows them to apply it to their daily lives. We need to band with other believers to encourage and build each other up. We need to financially support this church. We need to develop habits that will help us grow as disciples of Jesus. The recent series on bells is one of them. One way to develop habits that will make us grow. We need to discover our God-given gifts and talents and use them to serve God and others. And overriding all of this is being in constant communication with God through prayer and Bible study, seeking his wisdom, his strength, and his direction. So to accomplish our wild, important goal, we will need to plan well, identify the task to be done and who does them, and work at it with all of our heart. Church family, we can do this. So imagine for a moment a church where all of its people, women and men, old and young, wealthy and those not so wealthy, are working side by side like those people so long ago who rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. Just symbolic, brick by brick, mortar by mortar, we can make this happen. Can you imagine what great things for God a church like that can accomplish? And the question I leave you with this morning, are you willing to help turn this Aspen Grove Christian Church wild important goal into reality? Would you pray with me please? And I invite the worship team up at this time. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we are part of your kingdom. We thank you that you have included us, that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. You've given us salvation. You've given us each other to build each other up and to be a comfort in time of need. You've done it all, oh, Lord, and we need to, to serve you well. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Good. Yep, that's all right, Charles. We have come to a time in this, our service that is set aside for us to consider our relationship to God and to commune with him. In some ways, our lives are similar to that wall of Jerusalem. Some of us pretty torn down. But we turned our lives over to Jesus and he helped us rebuild those walls. Some of us turned our lives over to Jesus but then pulled away. Maybe our walls are only halfway down but without drawing back close to him they will continue to fall. Maybe you are thinking that you need to turn your life over to Jesus for the first time. We're all at different stages in our spiritual growth. In a moment, we'll have a time where you can commune with God. There are stations around the back with the elements that represent the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior. So please make your way to one of these stations now. And as you sit in silence, remember what Jesus has done for you, for you and me, and ask him what changes you and I need to make in our lives.